0: KPBS On Demand is supported by Arizona Raft Adventures, a third-generation family-owned outfitter providing experiential multi-day Colorado River rafting adventures through the Grand Canyon, hiking, exploration, education, and fun. Only a seven-hour drive from San Diego. Learn more at azraft.com.
1: If you traveled or had a big Thanksgiving meal with lots of friends and family, get tested for COVID. That is the message health officials are now sending post Thanksgiving holiday. They say folks who ignore travel warnings about spreading COVID should both get tested and quarantine for 14 days to avoid an even more significant surge in COVID-19 cases than the one we are already seeing. Leslie Bullerin was in line Monday at a local testing site because one of her co-workers recently tested positive for the virus. She told KPBS reporter Jacob Ayer she's getting tested to help keep her family safe.
2: I have people under my household that have a lot of underlying health issues and I want to make sure that I am always cautious so this is one of the steps that I do to protect myself and uh,
1: my household. And yes, COVID cases in San Diego County and across California are indeed still surging. In San Diego County on Monday, health officials reported 959 new COVID-19 infections and the death toll remained unchanged at 997. Governor Gavin Newsom said Monday that a more sweeping stay-at-home order could soon be imposed in an effort to keep hospitals from overcrowding, especially for counties like San Diego that are in the most restrictive purple tier because of our rising COVID numbers.
3: If these trends continue, we're going to have to take much more dramatic, arguably drastic action, including taking a look at those purple-tiered
4: counties, and they are now 51 Of the 58 counties.
1: Newsom said everything is on the table when it comes to what that stricter stay at home order may look like, including expanded curfews and more business closures. All right, so remember that Navy ship that caught on fire while docked in San Diego over the summer? Remember that thick, stinky smoke that covered parts of San Diego for those few days back in July? Well, the Navy said Monday that the USS Bonham Richard cannot be repaired. Instead, the ship will be decommissioned because the damage was just too extensive and too expensive to repair. The Navy has already said they are looking at whether the fire was caused by arson and the criminal investigation is still underway. It is Tuesday, December 1st. From KVBS, I'm Kinsey Moreland, sitting in for Annika Colbert all week this week, and you are listening to San Diego News Matters, our daily podcast powered by everyone in the newsroom. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. many healthcare workers are not being regularly tested for exposure to COVID-19. But a first in the nation directive from California's public health department will change that. California's hospitals will soon be required to test all employees regularly. Sal Roselli is the president of the National Union of Healthcare Workers. He applauds the Newsom administration for making this happen. And he says left to their own devices, hospitals never would have made this move on their own.
2: The employers resisted it. They refused to do it because it costs money. It takes time. And it's because our industry today, and over the last
4: 20 years or so, has evolved into focusing on the bottom line.
1: CAP Radio's Mike Haggerty has the details.
4: The required testing is being phased in, but phased in quickly. Healthcare workers deemed at the highest risks, such as emergency room caregivers, must begin getting weekly tests no later than December 7th. And the next week, all workers, including housekeeping, food service, and clerical, must be given weekly tests for the virus. National Union of Healthcare Workers President Sal Rosselli says a state government mandate was the only way this was ever going to happen. We have example after example of employers throughout the state, and it's pretty much across the board, refusing to test their workers at times even with symptoms or forcing symptomatic folks to come in and work. The CDPH directive also requires all workers who show COVID-19 symptoms to be tested immediately and requires hospitals to test all newly admitted patients for COVID-19.
1: And now from COVID to the climate. COVID-19 isn't the only problem we have to deal with urgently. Climate change is, of course, still a thing. And now San Diego researchers and environmentalists are taking a close look at a local pocket habitat that may become an important tool as the climate changes. The region's salt marshes. KPBS environment reporter Eric Anderson says the often overlooked marshes could be more than just squishy terrain in out-of-the-way places.
5: If you want to take one of these handles? Like-
2: Matthew Costa steps gingerly into a little pocket wetland near the Del Fairgrounds.
5: I don't think it's very likely, but watch out for bird nests. That's, okay.
2: I don't think that they're nesting. Endangered right ridgeway rails like hiding in the pickleweed yeah, that covers the soft, moist ground between the train the sea tracks sea sea and Camino and del Mar. Habitat, Costa is a postdoctoral researcher at the Scripps Institution of Oceanography. All
5: right. I think this is a good spot. It's 15 meters. Last week we did 5 meters.
2: He's here to help unlock information about this salty marsh, information that can't be seen by the thousands of people who pass by each day.
5: We've got all these plants here. Underneath there's a sort of a really muddy layer of sediment. It's it's home to a lot of organisms too. There's lots of snails and other creatures living on the mud.
2: Costa uncrates (laughs) his tools (laughs) and pulls out a long silver tube with a wide fin on one side. It looks a bit like a stubby sword.
5: He places (laughs) it upright
2: and leans in, pushing it into the ground.
5: Seems like we're in a soft spot.
2: And then he uses a slide hammer to help him sink that tube even deeper. Once it's completely seated in the soft, wet dirt, Costa gently pulls the tube back out of the ground. A quick twist reveals the core sample, roughly 7 centimeters across and 48 centimeters long.
5: We're looking down in the sediment. We're kind of looking back in time. So this sediment accumulated maybe hundreds of years ago and built up over time to where we have the plants living today.
2: Costa pulls samples, labels them, and in a lab he hopes to find out how much carbon is stored there.
0: It's an effort to try and catalog the amount of blue carbon that's currently stored in our San Diego coastal wetlands and ecosystems.
2: Corey Pucchini is the California Conservation Manager at Wild Coast. He says the plants in the salt marsh grow fast, sucking in a lot of carbon dioxide. Some of that carbon gets trapped as the plants die and new ones grow over them. Unfortunately, Bukini says 90% of the region's coastal wetlands have been swallowed up by urbanization or dredged for recreation. But pockets persist.
0: Yeah, so as you see behind me, there's a lot of these Opportunity parcels that we like to call them, these orphaned wetlands that are in and around a lot of the currently existing wetlands in San Diego County that have the, the potential to be restored to enhance their capabilities to draw that carbon out of the atmosphere.
2: Costa's research will give conservationists a better idea of how efficient the salt marsh terrain is at storing carbon
0: and seeing if we can ecologically enhance them to create this ecological uplift so that we can sequester more carbon using these natural solutions to draw carbon out of the atmosphere.
2: Doing that could help slow the pace of global warming as carbon in the atmosphere, is responsible for a warmer climate.
0: We're looking at areas like Batiquitos Lagoon, up in Carlsbad, uh, the Kendall Frost Marsh in Mission Bay, here at San Diego Lagoon, Famosa Slough, and a number of our other coastal wetlands here throughout the region.
2: Wild Coast's Zach Plopper says this research will help them understand more about the ecosystems, and habitats that are in the nearshore area.
0: Make San Diego County a leader on natural climate solutions.
2: Plopper says blue carbon refers to habitats near the ocean that are particularly good at capturing and storing carbon.
0: The salt marsh and seagrass here that we have in San Diego County are these blue carbon ecosystems. They sequester and store more atmospheric carbon than any other ecosystem on the planet.
2: Which makes them both a hedge against global warming and a buffer against rising sea levels. That's why Scripps researcher Matthew Costa is interested in measuring the impact the habitat has already had. He hopes mapping out the terrain's past will help gauge the salt marsh's ecological value in the future. Eric Anderson, KPBS News.
1: Coming up, a local church continues to defy public health orders what county officials are saying about the recent actions of that Kearney Mesa church. That story after a quick break.
4: Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad we invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com.
1: So as COVID-19 cases continue to soar in San Diego County, a church in Kearney Mesa held in-person services again this past Sunday. An outbreak of COVID-19 happened at the church earlier this month. San Diego County Supervisor Nathan Fletcher joined KPBS Midday Edition host Mark Sauer to talk about the tension between awakened Church and local public health rules.
6: Well, the awakened Church was in the news again this weekend. According to a Union Tribune story, more than 100 people attended services indoors, most not wearing masks. Start with why the county decided to cite a COVID-19 outbreak there when businesses and other places have not been specifically named.
3: Well, as it relates to outbreaks, uh, we've often said, we've said consistently from the beginning that when there is a concern or a danger to the public, uh, or there's an entity that is not cooperating uh, in the case investigation or contact tracing, uh, then we will release that and make that public. Uh, Overwhelmingly, the number of entities that have had outbreaks have fully cooperated, they've notified people who might be infected, they have worked with us. Uh, The Awakened Church refused to do uh, any of those actions in SEPs, and so our only possible recourse to let people know that they may have been exposed was to publicly release the information. Um, And, you know, this church in particular continues uh, to have a very defiant spirit um, that I believe is is not only contributing to the spread of COVID-19, but is certainly inconsistent with the general thought or approach of protecting, say, the least among us.
6: And uh, the response from Awaken Church then has been pretty much the same, even after being notified of the outbreak by the county.
3: Well, it is, and 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 I know, Mark. I know that in times of of difficulty and crisis, uh, the important role that faith plays in our community and in individual lives uh, is more important than ever. For my my own faith and my own church, we we are a group of individuals of shared faith. We have a building, but the building is not the church. Um, and and so the the ability uh, for religion and faith to continue remains. Uh, my wife and I this weekend went to a safe physically distanced outdoor mass and 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 we're able to to participate in our faith uh, without doing it in in a dangerous or reckless way and all anyone has to do is google covid church service and read the litany of horrific stories of super spreading events of significant outbreaks and the the loss of life and and so that is why we're taking the actions we're taking not out of a desire to impede religious expression or belief but out of a desire to protect life uh, from one of the highest risk settings. And I think the overwhelming majority of our faith communities understand that and have been wonderful partners. Uh, you know, this particular church has has chosen a very defiant posture. And unfortunately, now, a you know, a large number of the members of their church have been infected with COVID.
6: Do we know how many are connected to, to the Awakened Church?
3: Um, I believe the initial uh, list is, is is well over a dozen. I'm, I'm not sure of the latest total. Um, and then, you know, again, we're also having communication challenges where they're refusing to share information with members of their congregation and really be cooperative as we try to do the case investigation and contact tracing aspect of this. So we we don't know the the total number of of individuals.
6: Is there enforcement that could be done with this or any church considering the U.S. Supreme Court's decision last week siding with so-called religious liberty regarding restrictions on services at places of worship?
3: Yeah, the U.S. Supreme Court decision really has no bearing on California. The Uh, Ruling was a very strict guidance from New York that has subsequently been changed. It doesn't really have much impact on what New York is doing today. And so at this point, uh, that ruling, uh, while symbolic and it could have uh, impacts down the road, doesn't have any direct application of what we are doing here in, in the state of California. But again, no one is doing this out of a desire to in- impede anyone's ability to, to uh, gather and express their, their religion. You just can't do it indoors. Um, you know, We know that this is one of the highest risk settings. And you know, I think the overwhelming majority of, of, of the faith community cares deeply about the most vulnerable, and they care deeply about protecting seniors. Uh, and they care deeply about protecting folks with underlying health conditions, which is why the overwhelming majority are doing it responsibly in physically distanced outdoor settings uh, or virtually. Uh, and, and again, I think faith for for folks who that's a part of their life, it is even uh, a greater part of their life in times of difficulty and adversity and struggle. But there's always going to be a few that choose to go a different path. And so it's it's been very frustrating uh, to uh, continue to uh, to have these struggles uh, with the awakened church. and we're going to continue to do everything we can to both protect people's right together responsibly for their religious beliefs, but also to uh, enforce the public health orders designed to, to protect life.
6: Do you anticipate the county taking further actions to force awakened Church to stop holding indoor services?
3: Well, from a public health standpoint, we've, we've done what we can do, which is issuing the cease and desist order. I know there are ongoing uh, meetings, including many today, uh, with law enforcement and the district attorney's office about what next steps they might take. Um, And, you know, again, our message to the public is there are a lot of ways to safely and responsibly engage uh, in religion and faith services, uh, absent doing it in an indoor setting. And so we strongly encourage the public to not attend indoor religious services for the same reason we don't attend uh, indoor dining or indoor gym operations or or other things like that at this time with the number of cases and the increase in hospitalizations and everything we're seeing in our region.
6: Let's turn to the surge of COVID-19 cases in the county, we continue to see record-breaking numbers of cases each day. What are these numbers telling us now?
3: Well, they tell us the dangers of exponential growth. You know, if you run 300 cases a day uh, and each of those individuals, say, transmits it to one other person, that would be 300 more. When you start getting into days, when you you have 1,500 plus cases, you look at the, the rate of transmission between that and you understand how quickly you can get in a very dire situation. Uh, we're very concerned not only about where we are today, but about what is coming uh, in the coming weeks as we come out of the Thanksgiving holiday. A time when, despite all the public health guidance, we suspect a large number of folks traveled, uh, perhaps to areas of the country that are in a worse situation than us, and the number of people who gathered indoors. And so we're we're very concerned about where we are. But you know, Mark, we're very concerned about where we will be in two to three weeks, both with the number of cases, but also with the increase in hospitalizations. We have to remember that cases tend to lag about 7 to 10 days after the exposure, and hospitalizations tend to lag about 21 to 24 days after the cases. And so we are expecting continued increase both in cases and hospitalizations, which is why each and every San Diegan uh, has to make the individual decision and choice uh, that we're going to come together one more time uh, to slow the spread, get this under control. Uh, There is a light at the end of the tunnel here. We are in preparation for vaccines, but it is gonna take some time. But the first thing we have to do uh, is really focus between now and the end of the year to get the spread under control.
1: And that was County Supervisor Nathan Fletcher talking with KPBS Midday Edition host Mark Sauer. You can hear more timely interviews like this one by finding and subscribing to KPBS Midday Edition wherever you listen to podcasts. And thanks for listening to this podcast. If you're not already subscribed to it, take a minute, look up San Diego News Matters in Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you might listen, and take that next step. Commit. Click that subscribe button. Thanks in advance.
0: KPBS on Demand is supported by.